This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 59 of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray and that's not a hug, I was just getting the door for you. (laughs) And and sitting across the virtual table from me is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Mr. John Irons. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good. It's just an outfit. It's just a costume. It's just a costume. Yeah. <laughs> and joining us in chair number three is our friend Rick. How are you, sir? Tonight, I would like to be called Suit Lady, please. <laughs> suit Lady, yeah. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> and uh, this is our this is our first foray into live podcasting. Uh, no one's listening right now, but maybe they will be later. If all goes well, you know this may become the norm. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's gonna gonna tune in, but we'll. Uh, We'll try it and see how it goes and, 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 and uh, move on as if they are listening. If you're listening live, bear with us because you're listening to the rough draft of the show. There will be an edited version that will come out later on in the week. But um, Think of this as the director's cut. R- exactly. <laughs> um, before we get into the good stuff, there's a couple of ba- bad things that I need to cover. First of all, uh, one of our listeners passed away this past week that i know of um he was a uh my teacher in high school one of my teachers actually i say he was my teacher he's actually the librarian but librarians teach just as much as teachers do they have to teach us how to use the card catalog and the dewey decimal system and all that kind of stuff but uh he was one of the good teachers you know he's he's somebody that left a, a lasting impression on my life his name was steve latham and uh he listened to this show. I don't think he listened to every episode, but he would listen now and then. And I actually had him uh, booked to, to be on the show next month. And then he passed away this last Sunday. So I wanted to take a minute and just uh, do a, a little bit of a tribute for him. He had a blog. He reti- he just retired from the uh, school system back in June. And um, he was planning on writing a book and, and all that kind of stuff. And he had started a blog called um stretching from here to pletcher that was the name of his uh of his blog pletcher i believe is it was his hometown in alabama and um it's it's a really good blog if you like if you just like homespun stories of his life in the south and growing up down here and his family and all that kind of stuff you know it's 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 really worth looking at so i 
urge everybody to check that out. And I just wanted to take a minute to to give him a little bit of a tribute. And you know, teachers teachers make a difference in people's lives, definitely. So uh, uh, thank you to all the teachers out there. And uh, that's that's what I wanted to say about that. But so say we all. And also. As far as uh, people that we lost in the entertainment industry, uh, George A. Romero passed away. Um, not was it last week? I think it was the week before last. It was it was but, about a week and a half ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he passed away at the age of seventy-seven on. Oh, it was on July sixteenth. I had it written down here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had a brief but very aggressive battle with lung cancer and you know 77 is not it's not old but it's not young you know it's kind of in that it's that age where it's not unheard of to start hearing of people passing away but it still feels young when you look at how vibrant he was you know he was very active he's still making movies he he had four movies that he was scheduled to start working on uh soon but you know of course he's considered the father of the zombie of the zombie movie. I mean, everybody's seen Night of the Living Dead, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't invent zombies, but he did kind of invent the modern version of zombies as we see in in most everything that we watch now. Uh if it wasn't for Romero, there wouldn't be a Walking Dead, you know. Uh they owe their existence to to Romero and uh his his films the zombie films have kind of gotten worse over time. You know, they've kind of gotten to the point where they were parodies of themselves, you know. And he even he he had one in pre-production. There's one that they haven't started filming it yet. It's in pre-production called Road of the Dead. And guess what it's about? Zombies and race cars. <laughs> so they describe it as like zombies meets road warrior meets NASCAR, you know, that kind of thing. So, But uh, either one of you guys have thoughts on Romero? Um, I was not a huge fan of the genre, although Night of the Living Dead is a is a classic and a justif- and justifiably so. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I hate to use this cliche phrase, but it's not about the zombies. Uh much more so than any of the other zombie movies aren't about the zombies because uh you know, it it doesn't have any of the the gore and the horror that have become synonymous with <clears throat> the Romero style of zombie. Uh, you know, there's, there's like one scene where you see the zombies eating a person and you can't even tell that that's what's going on. It's yeah. more about how the people react to the situation. Uh, it had the, you know, he had the, the incredible audacity to cast, a, a, an African American actor as the lead in the film, uh, which at the time was unheard of. Uh, and you know, his, his movies, despite becoming a cliche, we're, we're kind of groundbreaking uh, up until a certain point. You know, you can only innovate so much, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, nobody doesn't know who George Romero is, I think, if you're in yeah. any way a genre fiction fan. So, John, were you a Romero fan at all? Um, yes. <laughs> sometimes that's, that's that's what i wanted to say I want, sometimes i'm a romero fan i'm a romero fan yeah. with night of the living dead and dawn of the dead when you get into like diary of the dead and and stuff like that yeah they, so they, they definitely <laughs> went um downhill and I, and I honestly haven't seen any of them in you know decades um 
although I, I, I certainly still have respect for them. And, I, and in fact, I will um, do the most respectful thing that I can think of, which is not make a zombie joke at his passing. <laughs> there, there, there were some made. <laughs> I'm sure there were. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I missed that. <laughs> but um, also, uh, Martin Landau passed away last week. On the uh, same day. Yeah, it yeah. was the same day. Just a couple hours. Well, the news came out just a couple hours uh, separate. But he was 89. Again, not a tragic age to go. But you know, he's had such an impact on entertainment. Uh, that's brought us a lot of joy over the years. And unlike Romero, Landau was in front of the camera most of his career. So it feels more like somebody that you know, you know, has passed away. Of course, he's uh, he's really well known for his roles on Mission Impossible, Space 1999. I know him from stuff like Ed Wood because he, play, he played Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood. And uh, I can well, I could go on all night naming things that he was in. He won, he won an Oscar for that role, too. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. He also was in The Majestic. Have either one of you guys ever seen The Majestic? No. It had uh, Jim Carrey in it. That's the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, and that's why I didn't see it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm familiar with it, but I don't think I saw it. Yeah, I have to talk about it one day on another show, but it's it, it's a movie that I think is really underrated. I thought it was a really good film. Um, so Martin Landau, and then the third one that I had written down, which you well, well, go ahead, just go real, ahead. real quick before you move yeah, on, did you know that Martin Landau was offered the the role of Spock? No, I did not know that. Yep he he oh, turned it no down, <laughs> and at, well, and he's he even said later he did not regret that decision. He he said something along the lines of, "Could you imagine being locked into a role where you're not allowed to emote at all?" Yeah. I guess he never actually watched Nimoy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, listening to that, um, listening to that, I've been listening to that book, the, um, the, the 50 year mission. Is that the name of it? I got it off. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. got it off of uh, audible, but to listen to that, Roddenberry had Nimoy picked out from the very beginning. Now I know the studio wanted some other people, but if it was, if yeah. it had been Roddenberry's choice from the beginning, it was going to be Nimoy the whole, all the way. But um, also, uh, Rod- go- Roddenberry was known to do a little bit of revisionist history. But yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Uh, how very George Lucas of him. But <laughs> um, and this one isn't film related. But we also lost Chester Bennington uh, last week. Now this is a guy that most people my age and maybe a few years younger will know very well because he was the lead singer of Lincoln Park, which is a band that had a great deal of influence over me. Um, it's, this is this one is very tragic because uh, he was only forty, maybe a little older, forty, forty-five, something like that. But um, he was a close personal friend of Chris Cornell, who was the lead singer of Soundgarden that committed suicide a couple of months ago. And Chester committed suicide in the same manner by hanging on the day that would have been Chris's fifty-third birthday. So it was it's really strange and really tragic. Oh, he was forty one years old. I had that written down too. <laughs> I should trust my notes more often. But uh <laughs> he was obviously very uh distraught and probably suffering from a lot of the same issues and and um but we're gonna move on from that and get into some uh some happier news. Uh I saw a movie last week and it was called Spider Man Homecoming. Ooh. Have you guys seen Spider-Man Homecoming? <laughs> a couple of yeah. times. <laughs> well, I've only seen it once, but I've seen yeah, 
I've seen it once. I'm gonna give. Well, I going to the movies twice. (laughs) Well, I okay. But before, all right. I I took daughter to see it the second time because my wife and I saw it the first time, and it was so much in the in the in a similar vein to uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, which she loves, that we thought that she would get a kick out of it, and she did. Yeah. I can see that. It's kind of long. Was she okay with the length? She was good right up until about 15 minutes from the end. Then she started getting fidgety, but she did all right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I started getting fidgety about that that point. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but um, I'm going to give a very general review and then, you know, let you guys uh, talk. But I'm going to say that I absolutely love this movie. I felt like it was closer to the comics version of the character than we've ever gotten before. Tom Holland did a great job. Michael Keaton did a great job. He was the one that I was kind of worried about. <laughs> uh, the The writing is... Well, Michael <laughs> Keaton, you know, he has a tendency to kind of overact sometimes, and I was afraid we were going to be getting some of that. But uh, but he did, he did really good. You know, he makes a good villain. Uh, it tied perfectly into the MCU... Uh, I felt like I was watching a Marvel movie, even though this was Sony and not Disney. And that kind of showed a couple of times. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, like the kids playing F. Mary Kill and uh, Aunt May almost dropping the F-bomb at the end. You know, Disney wouldn't have done that. That, that, was, a, that's, that was showing that it was totally a, a Sony movie. But um, it was a fun movie. You know, it wasn't dark like The Amazing Spider-Man. It was, it was smaller in scope, which means that... Uh, I think that audiences, and by audiences I mean me, I think we get tired of every superhero movie having the entire world at stake. You know, and, and this one yeah. wasn't like that. It was just, you know, it was central to uh, to that area, to, to the neighborhood, the friendly neighborhood <laughs> Spider-Man, you know. Um, I mean, they did go to Washington at one point and come back, but uh, there was real danger, but it wasn't global. It was local, you know, so it was, yeah, it was a little more... It was a little more realistic, or as at least as realistic as you can get with a with a superhero movie. But I'll give uh, give you guys a chance, John. What'd you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think I was the first of us to have seen it, um, and I gave my preliminary um, positive review at the time. And um, I haven't seen it since, so I'm going on my good memories, <laughs> and I stand by it. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I appreciated that it wasn't, uh, you know, a fate of the world situation. Um, I appreciated that um, Spider-Man was fun-loving and not snarky and sincere. And I appreciated that we didn't get a freaking origin story again. Right. Since they rebooted him twice in, like, the last, what, 15 years or whatever? Like, no. We know who he is. Honestly... Spider-Man, Superman, Batman never need to do another origin story. I don't care how many times you reboot it. We get it. Yeah. A couple flashbacks and you're good, at best. And this movie didn't even do that. Like, I liked it. I, I'm, I'm good with it. I very much appreciated that. I even see the second um, Amazing Spider-Man film. Um, so yeah, it, it, you didn't, I don't miss, remember it. You didn't miss anything. Yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah. it was it was entertaining, but I wouldn't say it was a great movie or anything like that. I, I had no worries about Michael Keaton um, 
acting ability. I felt like the accent was a little thick sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but it probably wasn't inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's probably right, but it's it was also thick. Um, and yeah, I liked him as a villain. I think he did a really good job being um, relatable yet menacing. He was not evil. He wasn't, you know, wasn't trying to take over the world, wasn't trying to, you know, whatever, ransom America or anything. He just, he, he's like, he's a petty criminal with high-tech gadgets, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's a good planner, and he's doing it to, you know, uh, to take care of the people, to take care of the people around him. Um, I liked it. I liked it. I got, I got. I don't. I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Rick. Yeah, I love the movie. Uh, when I came out of it the first time, uh, I tweeted that it may very well be my favorite Spider-Man movie. And then after seeing it a second time, that confirmed it. Because a lot of times, uh, you know, like Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, that was great. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, wow, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third and the fourth time after that, I was like, wow, this is garbage. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes I'll co- if, if a movie is enough of a roller coaster ride, I, I'll come out of it thinking it was better than it was. But not with this one. This one, this one is really good. I mean, it's, it's not perfect, of course. Um, but it's fun. We're finally seeing us, you know, we've been told for years that Spider-Man is supposed to be a high school student yeah. and we've never seen, you know, what is he, a, you know, a 30 year old high school student. <laughs> um, so this time, uh, you know, I'm sure that the actor is older than, than he's 21. He's 21. Yeah. yeah. But he plays 15 really well. Yeah. And if you've ever been around 15-year-old boys, I've heard a lot of people like, oh, he was he was doing this stupid thing and that stupid thing. And he, well, 15-year-old boys are the stupidest life forms on earth. Right. <laughs> uh, you, know, I, it's a, you know, it's a miracle that the damage that Spider-Man does in this movie is all that he does. Um, uh, so, you know, that's played beautifully. Yes. And, uh, you know, at, at the risk of repeating, Michael Keaton is absolutely freaking amazing. I had kind of forgotten what a what a wonderful actor he is, because it's so easy to to, you know, just think of him as Beetlejuice or or uh, or as, as Burton's Batman and and forget that the dude is is a master of subtlety. Are we spoiling yet? Uh, uh, I, I, I'd rather not. You don't want to spoil. Well, yeah, I had a couple things no. I was going to say that were spoilers. <laughs> we can give a spoiler alert. I'll put something in here, and uh, John, you're overruled. We're gonna <laughs> 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 well, uh, um, I, I will. I will say. I will say uh, mild spoilers. Okay. Yeah. I, I, this. This isn't. You know. Just the scene. Tim and and Peter Parker in the car. Uh, yeah is a masterwork of understated menace. Uh, And it... hmm? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And it just, it so totally sums up what Keaton's all about. You know, like you said, he's he's not trying to rule the world. He's not trying to take over the city. He doesn't give a rat's butt about Mm -hmm. anything other than taking care of his family. Because he's been doing this for years under the radar. And, you know... No harm, no foul. 
Uh, yeah, and nobody's known it un- until you know Peter sticks his nose in. Um, I also yeah, like. So. I, I liked that scene, especially in contrast with uh, the scene of Spider-Man trying to interrogate somebody (laughs) and just, you know, failing miserably. Well, Danny Glover was so brilliant in this movie. Yeah. Donald Glover. (laughs) Not Danny Glover. Donald Glover, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to give, um, I mean, everybody knows that Iron Man is in the movie. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in in the movie. I'm actually going to give him some props. Um, Not that you expect him to do a bad job, um, because I don't, but, you know, we've seen him play this character so many times at this point. Um, it's, I appreciated, he, you know, he's still doing it in his, you know, Robert Downer Jr. slick, fast talking way, but I, I, I appreciated that he was trying to fix mistakes that he has made. And, 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 and like in, and as much as he does, you kind of get a glimpse into him, you know, um, putting himself out there. And yet you know, he still screws it up. Yeah, he still screws it up. But it's because not, if well, the, the, and that's his the, fault. Well, the thing is, both he and Happy are constantly coming down on Peter, and yet if either one of them would stop ignoring him, yeah. <laughs> none of this would have happened. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, but he also Peter also hid stuff because because there were there was a couple of times when uh, Stark called to check in on him, and he's like, no, no, everything's fine, everything's fine. So it's it's uh, there's blame to go around. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I made the comment to my uh, wife. You, you know, almost every impossible situation that Spider Man gets himself into was because of something that he did. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, and and didn't and didn't inform. Right. Uh, Happy or or, or Tony? Yeah, do, do you feel that Iron Man is getting maybe a little too powerful? Because he's almost like Superman now. Just I mean, Superman in a suit or whatever. Because like when he when he shows well, up, and, and this is spoiling a little bit too. But it, and then when he shows up, when the ship is is uh, being split in half, and he's got all those little rockets that come well, up behind him. You know, if he's got all that kind of stuff, he's almost like a mechanical Jesus that can show up and <laughs> and do whatever he wants. You know. <laughs> well, uh, that's mechanical, mechanical genius was actually the name of my uh, rap album in college. <laughs> no, I said mechan. I, well, I said mechanical Jesus, but <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> okay, I thought you said mechanical genius. Okay, <laughs> I, it's a, well, I mean, it's a problem with with superheroes in general you know it's how superman went from being a dude from a high gravity planet to the demigod he is today uh yeah you know the 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 scene where he puts the boat back together with all those little rockets is cool but what other possible use could there be for those rocket things what would he have developed them for well sometimes you need to lift a big chunk of kryptonite off a planet (laughs) (laughs) i've seen that before yeah (laughs) Or maybe yeah, and just and also the also the fact that he can, he can be Iron Man remotely now. He's he's basically re- remote controlling those uh those outfits without him being in them. Well, we've seen that. He's before. like, yeah, right, oh yeah, we've all, seen it all before. The, all of those, both of those things are things that we've seen in previous films. So I didn't I didn't really have yeah. a problem with it. And I don't I hear what you're saying about being too powerful, and I suppose that's a risk. 
But, you know, the bottom line is he's still, if you are a strong enough character or have some sort of ability that gets him out of the suit, then that's it. You can't, you know, you, you can't, you can't un, well, you can't un-Superman Superman, but, you know, most people can't un-Superman Superman. You, well, I you mean, just remove yeah, Iron Man. They, but the but the suits can run themselves. I mean, we saw that in Iron Man three. You know, they just show up in an army of Iron Man suits show up and save the day. Yeah, so. but they also can get hacked. <laughs> yeah, so well, yeah, they can. <laughs> I thought that was really weird that Ned was so was so easily able to hack Tony Stark's tech. You know, he's just like, oh, you've got this. Uh, what, what did he call it? A babysitter program or a training wheels program? Training wheels. You got program, this training. Yeah. You got this training wheels program on your suit, and you say, well, can you get rid of it? Yeah, he hits a couple of keys and it's gone. <laughs> you know, it's like if Tony Stark developed that program, then some little kid in in, in high school is not going to be able to figure out how to how to hack through it. Uh, I know like I said, the, not the, a perfect movie. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things you got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I yeah. agree, and I agree. But you also got. Yeah. Well, we're going to see a lot a lot more of this character because they've signed a six-movie deal with the character with Sony. Uh, three Avengers-related films and three Spider-Man films. So Civil War was the first Avengers-related film, and then this is the first Spider-Man movie. He's going to be in Avengers 3 and 4, and then he's going to do two more Spider-Man movies. Did you guys notice that this movie was set in the future? No. Uh, no. Because... At the beginning of the film, okay, so the film opens after the event, or what? It, is right what after the event. Right, called the event. Yeah, the event, which was in the York, Avengers, right. which was two thousand and twelve, which was five years ago. Well, after that scene, it cuts to present day, and it says eight, eight years, years later. later. Yeah. So it. So what they're doing is they're trying to retroactively make the third Spider-Man movie take place in present day for, for when it comes out. So they're, they're wanting the Harry Potter, these movies in that, uh, this one takes place in Peter's sophomore year. The next one will be in his junior year. And the third one will be in his senior year, even though they're going to be two or three years apart coming out, they'll take place a year apart from each other. But by the time the third one comes out, it'll be caught up with the timeline and everything. Yeah. I try not to think like, I, I try not to think about, time and science and math yeah yeah well when i i just i noticed that and when it came up and it said eight years later i was like when i saw it i was like it hasn't been eight years since the avengers came out it's only been five years. my basic rule is um as long as i see them in the order of release the marvel movies i'm i'm just gonna go with that because because you got some of them that should take place at the same time Yeah. yeah sometimes the sequel takes place right after the end of the first movie even though you know, there's been two or three years between. Sometimes it's in quote unquote real time. So I, as long as I see the movie that's supposed to come before it, that's kind of how I orient my my timeline as opposed to chronologically. Jennifer Connelly turning to the MCU. You know, she was in The Incredible Hulk, and um, now she's back as the voice of Karen, the suit lady. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I, I would like to to, to say something because I know that there are uh, well, maybe not a lot, but some of the people that I've heard uh, that weren't happy with this aspect of the film, um, I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> I, I think she should have her own movie now. <laughs> 
I don't have. I've never really understood. I, I remember when uh, when Spider Man was in Civil War and they showed her, and people were commenting online, and why is she so young? Aunt May is supposed to be old. It's like if you really think about it, if if he was fifteen years old, his aunt probably probably wouldn't be a little old lady like his grandmother. You know, because you're talking about his aunt being either his father or his mother's brother or sister. So unless his father or his mother were really old too, or had a really older sister, almost she'd have to be the age of their mother almost. You know, yeah. for it to be as old as they showed in in the in the Raimi films and stuff. So I think it makes sense for her to be her age. When I was growing up, um, I had an aunt Pearl. <laughs> and we, we all called her Aunt Pearl, but in fact, she was my great aunt. Right. Um, so I always, I guess, because again, I was growing up when I was reading the comics, I always assumed that Aunt May was like Aunt Pearl. But I'm much happier with Marissa Tomei. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can Good see Because I, 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 had, I had great aunts and great uncles that I called aunt. You don't call them great aunt. You know, great aunt Joyce, great uncle Thomas or whatever, you know. But... Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, so the good thing, well, the good thing about Marissa Tomei being in the film is that uh, you know the other ladies in the film were certainly very lovely, but we're not allowed to look at them. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, they were pl- they were playing high school students, but most yes. of them <laughs> they're yeah. older, but but still, but we're still that's, that's you enough. know we're we're playing we're in our forties and. We're in our 40s and 50s, so 20, 20 22-year-old girls are still <laughs> still rather young. <laughs> but, uh, okay, oh, so also, the next... Last, sorry, last thing. Uh, shout out yeah, yeah, go ahead. to the diversity of casting in this film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I yeah. really appreciated that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. Nobody, you know, called any particular attention to it in terms of the scenes, but... I mean, they're in New York, and it's that's how New York looks. So I, I appreciated that. Oh yeah, I mean, I've I've been to New York once, but you can't walk a block in New York without seeing at least ten different nationalities represented. Right. You know, so that's exactly the way it should have been. Yeah, I agree with that. After these messages, Hey, we're the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. We're hosted by Anya Crittenton, Hwai Chen Bui, and Willoughby Dobbs. The three of us met in college, bonding over Game of Thrones and Disney. While we've moved past Game of Thrones, we now bond once a week in a podcast that covers everything from superheroes to musicals to summer reading to Pokemon Go. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Falcon Podcast and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Come for the hot takes, stay for the snark and puns. And the friendship that lasts forever. Hey everyone, I'm Christopher DeFilippis. My name is Skipper Martin. And you might know us as the hosts of 112263, an event podcast. But Skipper and I are here to announce our new podcast, which will be all about the new Hulu series, Castle Rock. Not only are we going to be covering the TV show, but we're going to be covering the Stephen King books and characters that seem to be somehow tied into the TV show. Not to mention TV movies and other theatrical movies, even the bad ones. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it, right, Chris? Yep, we're going to do it all. So watch this space. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And we will be dropping our first episode in no time. It's about a certain murderous clown. Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) 
follow the Castle Rock TV podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CRTVPod. Visit our website at CRTVPodcast.com and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash CRTVPod. The Castle Rock TV podcast is a fractured entertainment to Flipside Media production. Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life. A little bit more geek in your week. Then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com where we talk about everything from movies and television. Comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. Next order of business. The internet lost their minds this week or last week when the BBC announced that the 13th Doctor will, in fact, be a female and she'll be played by Jodie Whittaker. Oh, what? And, <laughs> and it was proven that a lot of people who claim to be Doctor Who fans are not really fans at all because if they were, then they would have known that, yes, indeed, the Doctor can be female. They've been setting that up for at least the last uh, three seasons. Two, yeah. <laughs> uh, two or three seasons, yeah. And they also would have realized that this show is much more progressive than they are and they need to go back and rewatch some things because they just don't seem to get it. And Stephen Moffat agrees with me because <laughs> he, he actually he said that he doesn't think that uh, that people are making that big a fuss out of it. He says that it's journalists that are just putting out stories that claim that, and he wants all of those journalists to shut the hell up. <laughs> he is so. incorrect. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. No, I mean not not that they should shut up, but it's not yeah. just journalists. <laughs> overblowing it uh there are plenty of oh and i hate this term so much no no, i don't hate the term anyway men's rights activists uh you can hate that term that's fine yeah um well i was just gonna say it's not the term i hate it's the people that it represents but um they have this insane notion and i've seen it plenty of times that any uh, any major character or or storyline that isn't directly involving straight white American males is being overly politically correct, and I see right. this all the time now. PC doesn't belong in our science fiction, and it's like I, I'm going to try to behave, but you may end up having to bleep me at some point in this in this segment. <laughs> I'm just going to remind you yeah. that we're live. <laughs> is yeah. anyone there? I don't think anybody's listening. <laughs> hey, guys, if if there's anybody listening, leave us a comment in the chat box so we'll know you're in. Compare your sensibilities. You know, these paranoid little tiny dick pissant uh, who can't, you know, they, 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 because of Ray in The Force Awakens and uh, Jin in, uh, in, um, Rogue One. <laughs> Rogue One. Yeah, my brain locked up in in rage <laughs> for a second. <laughs> um, 
you know, and the fact that we're seeing more people of color and more strong female characters and, and et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, this PC movement is really pissing me off. And I'm like, you know, pardon me, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the world is not, and I'm, I am a straight cis white guy. They don't get much whiter than I am without being see-through. And I'm loving this. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, in fact, I was saying, that if this time wasn't a female doctor, I was going to be pissed because, you know, I, you know, Eccleston, Tennant and Smith were all wonderful. And I cried when each one of them regenerated, but Capaldi was a breath of fresh air to me because I was really tired of the doctor being a sex symbol. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and that whole, that whole romantic dynamic that uh, Russell T Davies started and Moffat ran with, um, but, you know, when, when they brought Capaldi in, it was very clear they weren't going that way. And then when they brought Bill in, and I, oh, I love Pearl Mackey so much. Yeah, um, she's, she's great. You know, and she was, you know, a lesbian. So not even, re, you know, n- not even going to be remotely interested in the doctor in that way. Uh, it was great. But then, you know, they'd set it up with Missy and they had set it up with the, in the, the night of the doctor with the sisterhood of Karn. And we'd seen mm-hmm. some other things without, without, I've already gone too far down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, if no. they had, <laughs> if they hadn't gone with a female doctor this time, if they had gone, you know, if they had gone back to the 20, 30 something, young white guy i i would have been so disappointed uh and i could not have been happier i and then i heard the announcement before i saw that little video they made and then i saw the video of you know you just see you just see a a person walking through the woods wearing wearing a hoodie and you don't see who they are and then they they do a close-up of their hand and a key appears and then they do a sort of over-the-shoulder shot, and you see the TARDIS, and then she takes off her hood, and it's Jodie Whittaker. I literally cried. I was just – and I knew who it was. I, it, it, I, this is awesome. I'll shut up now. Yeah, and, I mean it's, it's like Moffat made a statement. that Was it Moffat that made the statement? Uh, yeah, I think it was Moffat. He said that uh, I think that the fans are going to be more excited that not only – not that, not necessarily that she's a woman, but she's just she's a good actress, you know. And it's somebody that we've seen before. She was, I mean, she was in Broadchurch. If you've ever seen that show, but um, a movie that we've talked about on this show, Attack the Block, she was in that uh, as one of the leads. But oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She I was, still need was, to watch was, that. Yeah, that it's good. Good. And with uh, with with Mr. John Boyega, he's also in that movie. Um, but yeah. Yeah, they're doing this well is, these days. This is going to I mean, I was pulling for Haley Atwell myself. I think that she would have made a good doctor, but I definitely wanted this season for the doctor to either be female or be a person of color. I know that he's got to be British. They're not going to bring in don't I mean yeah. and, and even as an American, I don't want to see an American doctor. You know, he's just I I but there's there's black guys in Britain. There's there's indian guys in britain you know there's chinese guys in britain so um so yeah john what do you think yep (laughs) word (laughs) i i I can rant as long as you guys have but it'd be the same i concur i liked it and I, i i i also was glad when um Capaldi 
showed up as the doctor because the, I feel like that's kind of the point of a generation. Like if you keep getting the same kind of person, and typically that's been you know a difference in personality or difference in you know maybe level of swagger or snark or or attitude. But yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to be a different person, and like you said, like everyone said, they've been you know not even implying they've been they've been flat out telling you for the past two or three seasons that not only is this possible but it's probably likely um i don't know if i would have been done if it wasn't someone different looking um but i it it would have been me i'm like okay all right i just fine because it's 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 practically an eventuality. An, uh, eventuality? Yeah. Inevitability. inevitability? Yeah. Inevitability. At this point. You know, I was slight, largely unrelated, but slightly related. Um, you know, one of my favorite cartoons, uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, the yeah, main great character. Movie, man. Can you edit that out, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> Leave that on the floor. Um, the the main character uh, is also is like basically like the Dalai Lama. He's, he's he or she is reincarnated um, uh, when the avatar dies. Uh, he or she is reborn um, in that same moment somewhere else in the world. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Avatar supposedly had lived hundreds of lifetimes. And, um, you know, just statistically, <laughs> some of those were probably gay. Yeah. And they were. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Like, it, it would have been, I mean, not that the show's especially realistic, but it... it the level of realism that the show has in terms of sincerity um, and, and honesty with characters, it would have rung false. And there's there's been avatars in the past where they, it was kind of implied, but not necessarily stated outright. And the most recent avatar is pretty much, yeah, <laughs> at least by Jesus, it's by. Um. That not at least like that's like it's on the scale, but <laughs> <laughs> like she's hard, she's halfway, so she's by. That's not how it works. That's not how it works, people. I understand. I know. Don't write me. I know it's not how it works. Uh, anyway, supportive. Well, uh, Peter Peter Davison, you know who played the Fifth Doctor. There was a, a story that came out yesterday that said that he's not thrilled about the news. He was at San Diego Comic-Con last weekend, and he was quoted as saying, if I feel any doubts, it's it's the loss of a role model for boys who I think Doctor Who is vitally important for. Now, he claims that his remarks oh, were taken God. a little out of context and that it wasn't really what he meant to say, but I think that that comment's bullcrap because, I mean, the Doctor's been around for 50 years. How is he going to say that boys are losing a... Uh, a, a role model, you know, what about the, what about the girls that can't connect with the, the only well, people they can connect with is the companions that come along. 
and things like that, you know. But and the 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 other implication is that a boy can't have a woman as a role model. Yeah, which is false. Well, and also Colin Baker, who is you know one was one of the I forget which one of the doctors doctor, he was, yeah. but he also yeah he came back with you know there's 50 years worth of guys to watch still <laughs> it's not like they're going away yeah, yeah. i was uh, gonna say when, that he, he, he said exactly what john what you just said he said uh it, well you know his quote was well you don't have to be of a gender of someone to be a role model can't you be a role model just as a person you know and uh and david Tennant came out and said in, in support of uh the the new female doctor and peter davison is his father-in-law so you know thanksgiving will be fun (laughs) but uh but yeah so there's there's some people that that like the idea and there's some people that don't i personally think it's gonna be a a breath of fresh air of course we're getting a new showrunner at the same time so it'll all be up to the stories and the writing and everything and you know I don't know if you guys, I'm, Rick. I'm sure you've watched. John, have you watched the uh, the finale of of this past season of Doctor Who? Yeah, okay. I'm all okay. Yeah. So, and just, I mean, spoil a little bit of that. But they, I mean, they blatantly said it in that episode. Yes, I can be a woman. <laughs> you know, it's the future. All yeah, girls. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm confused. Okay, I'm confused about something about that episode. Now we're getting just like getting into actual Doctor Who stuff. So, if the master killed the master, shot her in the back with the sonic screwdriver or whatever he had in his hand, why can she not regenerate because she got hit with that blast? I mean, isn't that exactly what, well, that's what regeneration the prob- is for? That Well, that's the deal with the master, is that he became a villain because he used up all of his regenerations. Uh, and then he started... Well, in if you remember back in the Tom Baker days, the master was like the rotting corpse kind of guy uh, who was trying to steal regenerations from Time Lords uh, because he'd used all of his up and he didn't want right. to die. Um, so the master regenerating is is kind of a a tricky issue anyway. Um, worked around it with the doctor. <laughs> and well, and and the thing, well, actually. Actually, and now that I remember it, uh, he says, I mean, he says, don't bother regenerating. You took the full blast. I'm like, took the full blast. Is it something special that she got hit with that? Well, yeah, they, they said when, um, when the, whoever it was, uh, were basically condemning when they, when they were about to execute Missy, um, they, they said that if you, that you can, you can hit a, a time lord with enough of whatever kind of energy it is, so that th- they can't regenerate fast enough to stop the pro- yeah. stop the death process. Okay, because that that that's how that that's what they were going to do to her. Well, Michelle Gomez. I mean, it it was it was known at the beginning of this season <clears throat> that the, this was going to be her last season, but I was just assuming that they would have someone else come along because you know the doctor and the master kind of go together. You know, there's there's always been a master. I figured there always would be, but uh, I'm sure something because I mean you've got the you've yeah. still got uh, uh, what's his name that played the other master. He's still there, even though you know eventually he has to die and regenerate, but he's still there. 
you know, so he can still cause some problems, I guess. But, um, yeah, they'll, they'll always be a master. They'll figure some, some way around it. Well, I mean, they, yeah, they gave the doctor more regenerations. He was only supposed to get so many and they were all used up and then they, they gave him more Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the end of, uh, Smith's era. So, um, I have, so the Christmas special, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Um, the side note, I haven't decided if I, so we obviously know all about the doctor. Um, but his companion didn't. And he wasn't particularly forthcoming with information. There were a couple of times um, where if she had known more about him, um, it would have been better. Uh, and, well, I, yeah. <laughs> and I haven't decided if, if I like that she didn't know or if I don't like that she didn't know. I uh, Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, do you guys? Know? Well, the companion, the companion is there for the doctor to explain things to. So, well, the, yeah, I don't, I don't mean like he um, has to, he has to. Not this alien is this, and they do this, and this is a spaceship kind of thing, but just like stuff that we know that's common knowledge about Doctor Who that she just didn't know. Like they regenerate. Like I'm a time lord. Yeah, that's where you run into a problem with the with the companions changing because the audience doesn't want to watch him tell this new companion things that we already know. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, haven't, so. I haven't decided. I still don't know like if I well, think it's overall a good or a bad thing. Well, for example, uh, and, and, and if, if I'm incorrect, I apologize, but you, are you, are you perhaps talking about that? The, the, the horrible pyramid at the, at the end of the beginning, end of the world, uh, and the follow up to mind. Yeah. Qualify. Yeah. Uh, very, cause very if she knew, they, if she they, knew he they, could regenerate, yeah, she'd be like, "Fine, kill him." That, that would have been fine. <laughs> Everything would have been fine. Um, and, and the, there the was problem. A of times, go ahead. Go ahead. Part, part of the problem with that, and the reason I don't uh, crap on that trilogy more than than it deserves, because um, I mean the the first the first episode, the, the one that was in the Vatican, was uh, marvelous. Yeah, it but is one the, of my favorite Doctor Who episodes of all time. That was great. That was yeah. Great. And then the pyramid at the end of the world was horrible. Um, and then uh, what was it called? The, the land. Uh, anyway, the, the the third one of it was it was still pretty bad, but Pearl Mackie was so amazing in it. Um, what happened with that is that after they got uh, the the first one, I wish I could remember these titles. Um, Veritas, Veritas yeah. was the first one. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Stephen Moffat's mother passed away, oh. and so things that the 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 following two episodes probably would not have been quite so bad had that not happened. But he had to, you know, obviously, uh, you know, aside from just being uh, bereaved, he also had to go and deal with stuff. And so uh, I think that you know, right in the middle of this this tr- uh, three parter. They suddenly, for all intents and purposes, lost their showrunner, and so things really kind of spun off the rails pretty quickly. Yeah, and you know, and and also that one of the things that uh, gets forgotten sometimes, and the the reason that the Doctor is so conservative with his regenerations is because David Tennant's uh, the Tenth Doctor explained in one of his episodes that just because he regenerates 
that version of the doctor that you see, he, he dies, he's gone. You know, I mean, it, he regenerates into a new guy and that new guy has all the memories of the previous doctors, but that doctor that goes away is gone, you know? So, and they don't want to die, you know, that's that, because that's virtually, that's basically literally the end of their life, even though the doctor as a character continues and he has all the memories of the previous doctors is still a, is still a new guy. And the doctor that was there before him is gone, you know? So, that's why David Tennant, when he regenerated, he said, I don't want to go. And, you know, and, and then uh, uh, Peter Capaldi said that again in, the, in this episode, he said, I don't want to go. You know, because they know that even though the Doctor will go on, that version will be gone. You know, so it puts it a little bit more in, in, in a, it's a little more sobering when you think about it that way. Right. That uh, that it is the end of their life. But, uh Okay, so the the Christmas special is coming up at Christmas on Christmas Day, and the first Doctor is coming back, and uh, he's going to be played by David Bradley, who actually I don't know if you guys saw this uh, this film that came out a few years ago called An Adventure in Space and Time that was basically yeah. a docu it was a docudrama about how the show got started, and David Bradley played William Hartnell in that film. And I keep forgetting to watch and- it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. How did you How did you miss it in the big lead up to the? Because it was all part of the big fiftieth. Yeah, it was on the B, It was on BBC America. Uh, I don't. I don't have BBC America. Uh, okay. We don't. We don't have cable. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. So one more thing before we uh, before we wrap this episode up. Uh, Star Trek Discovery. It came out <laughs> today, which is Tuesday, July twenty fifth. That there is some additional news coming out of the writers' room over at Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we all know the character that Sonica or Sonequa Martin Green. I meant to look up and see if I could find a video like Gal Gadot <laughs> did to, to make sure. <laughs> I, I just, I've heard everyone it. saying Sonequa, so yeah, I mean, Sonequa. Yeah. yeah. So her character, she, she's playing Michael Burnham, and as far as we know at this point, she's supposed to be the first officer of the Discovery. Well, when the the casting news well, came out the a Shenzhou. few months ago. I'm sorry? The Shenzhou. The Shenzhou. Okay. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, she's going to be a commander, but maybe she's the commanding officer of the Discovery. I don't know how it's going to work out. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they announced a couple months ago that James Frain is, you know, he was on True Blood. He was on Gotham. Um, he's going to be playing Sarek, who is the father of Spock. We knew that Michael would be the first human to have graduated from the Vulcan Science Academy, but now we know that she is Sarek's adopted daughter, and so she is Spock's sister. So, of course, just like the previous story that we talked about, it's dividing fans. Of course, everything that comes out about Discovery is dividing fans. <laughs> you know, because... You might have to bleep me again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... It, 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 in canon, they never. I don't remember them ever saying that Spock had a, had a human sister. But of course, my argument would be never that they never did. said that he didn't have a sister. You know, so uh, he's all, they never he's said all, he had a psycho half brother either. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> off. Uh, he's off halfway across the galaxy. Of course, he's not going to family reunions and meeting all of his relatives every every couple of episodes. So, uh, but the writers are promising that by the end of it, it's all going to make sense and it's going to mesh with canon. So this is another thing that you know we're going to have to wait and see. It appears to, you know, be something that some fans are going to lose their mind over. But they're going to lose. Some fans are just, they're not really 
fans, in my opinion, because they just want to hate on this show and it hasn't even premiered yet. You know, I, I'm on a couple of Facebook pages well, of Star Trek fans, and every time a story comes out about the show, they come on, man, this show is going to be terrible. You don't know it's going to be terrible. You haven't even watched it yet. Well, the thing is, there, there's, there's a type of fan that appreciates whatever the uh, whatever the product is, whatever the movie or the book or the show is, and they are fans of it in that they uh, love it. And they're the type of fan. There's the other kind of love. That's like the obsessive kind of love, where you know you're driving past the house late at night just to make sure they're still home. <laughs> and they go out with some other guy. Yeah, that's not my Star Trek. My, <laughs> my, hey, hey, hey! It's not your Star Trek. You're right. That's not your Star Trek. That was a different Star Trek. Like, the, yeah, the, the the type of ownership that. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, it, you know, it's it's what packs all H at Comic-Con, but it's also with Ben Affleck's going to be a stupid bad thing. How do you know <laughs> yeah. that? You have no idea. Just wait and see. I actually, I, I saw that um, headline today that, um, that she was going to be like Spock's adopted sister or whatever. And I, you know, you know, I try to avoid spoilers. Uh, and I know it's it's an uphill battle <laughs> on, on some things because because I you know unless I'm just shun social media completely, I'm I'm gonna learn something. Um, and, and and basically, like <clears throat> my my kind of general rule is once I know I'm going to see it, I stop looking at trailers or getting information about it until I've decided. You know, I'm open, but once I know that I'm going to watch it, I don't want to know anything more until I see it. Uh, so this this was, and I wonder, you know, if I could unknow that. I mean, obviously, we'll 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 see when it comes out if that would have if that was supposed to be like a big reveal or something. And I'm guessing probably not since they released that. Yeah, it was CBS that put it out, so it wasn't like a leak or anything that came out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. But still. I, I. Okay. I was one of those guys back in 1985 who was saying, if it doesn't have Kirk and Spock and McCoy, it's going to suck. And for two years, I was vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Next Gen got good and enough people said, Rick, you're being an idiot, watch the show, and I fell in love with it. And that was kind of a, if I could learn to love that, I, I still hate the Enterprise D with passion. <laughs> I think it's one of the ugliest ships they ever made. It looks like something that escaped from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> um, but that showed me that, you know, Star Trek is a living thing. You know, it, it's not just... The, the 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 cardboard rocks and the and the you know the styrofoam sets and stuff and it's not not just uh you know Picard and Data and and Crusher it's not just you know every show that came out did something that pissed people off you know Next Gen was a new cast and a new Star Trek and we were like that's not my Star right. Trek um, and then we learned that yes it was and then DS9 came out and we're like on a space station what the hell are they thinking? <laughs> and then it became one of the best series ever. 
Voyager came out. Now, I wasn't saying, you know, and it didn't have a problem with a female captain. A lot of people did, though. Um, I have a problem with a female captain. Not a problem with Janeway, but we can discuss that later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my biggest problem with Voyager, aside from the uneven writing, was just the whole Gilligan's Island aspect of it. Um, but yeah, like you said, that's a whole other show. But even Voyager, you know, there are some of the best Star Trek ever came from Voyager. If you did a list of the, you know, the top 20 Star Trek episodes ever, there would be more than one Voyager episode mm-hmm. in there. Uh, and then Enterprise was like a, a prequel. How dare you? And yeah, Enterprise was probably the weakest series. But the, again, there's still some really good stuff in Enterprise. Uh, and then J.J. Abrams did what he did to Star Trek, and and I don't like a lot of that, but there's you know there's still an awful lot to like in the in the the the, the Kelvin universe. So I you know I was not particularly thrilled when Discovery when they announced that Discovery would be another prequel, but I got over that. I was like, all right, I can sit here and grouse and complain and say it's not what I wanted them to do. That's not going to do me any good because they're not listening. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care what I have to say. Well, and they're not so, listening to you, and it, and, it, and it closes you off from potentially something that you would enjoy. Exactly. And everything I have seen about this show, with the exception of that first rush together trailer that we saw, you know, what was it, two years ago now? With that. It was a year ago because it was for last year's uh, Comic Con where oh, they, they showed the ship the, coming out the, of the asteroid. Yeah, yeah. with the, the horrible rough draft of the Discovery. Um, right. But even that was, you know, if you are, if you know, if you're a fan of the level that I am, or you know, and that that probably sounds arrogant as hell. It's just that I've, you know, re- you know, over the years have totally dug into the minutia, and I immediately recognized the drawing that came from, which was a Ralph McQuarrie drawing of the potential for the ship for the, the second proposed series uh, of Star Trek back in the early uh, in the early seventies. Um, so even yeah. that was like, wow, that's hideous, but I know that's totally for Star Trek's history. Um, I have been excited by everything I've seen. Um, I love the looks of the ships. They're a little too Kelvin universe for my taste, but that's just all we've seen in the commercials. So you know, yeah. I'm I'm ready to to ride with that. The hardware they've they've been they showed they put a lot of props out for for Comic Con, and so we saw phaser phaser rifle communicator and tricorder. They are wonderful kind of transitional things between TOS and and uh, and uh, not uh, between like the cage and TOS because uh, this the show is set ten years prior to uh, the original series. Uh, the right. uniforms are awesome. I think the casting is fantastic. Everything I've heard about the story is great. People are pissed and moaning about the Klingons. STFU. We'll find out about the Klingons, all right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, I am so psyched about this show. I am. I, I got chills the other day. I was listening to somebody. I think maybe it was Heather Barker on, on one of her shows. But they just said the phrase... We're getting to see new Star Trek on TV. And just thinking about it now, I get chills. Because how long has it been since we've been able to say that? It's been almost two decades. Yeah. And Well, it's been it's been about 11 or 12 years since Enterprise went oh, I thought it was air. 15. Yeah. That was, okay, but still. All right. 11, 12 years. You know, a, a 
way too damn long <laughs> since we've been yeah. able to go, I'm going to look forward to watching. Some. And then, of course, people are whining, I don't want to pay five ninety nine a month. Well, skip Starbucks yeah. once. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I keep defending that on I keep defending that online, which you know, I'm not thrilled about having to pay for it, but the thing is Star Trek has always been the one to to break new ground yeah. on stuff, you know. They they were the fir- the next generation was one of the very first shows that were that was made for syndication. Mm-hmm. Before that, everything was made by networks, you know. This one was made for syndication. Deep Space 9 was the first time that uh was the first show that kind of kind of what we do now where you binge watch shows and they're almost in a soap opera format, you know. Deep Space 9 was doing that you know, decades ago. And then Voyager, Voyager launched the UPN network. Yep. And, 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 you know, you can go on and on and on like that. They always start the next trend and we're moving into a trend where most of our television, I'm telling you 10 years from now, everything is going to be online. You're not, your TV is going to be a computer. You know, you're going to, you're going to be watching everything streaming and, and, you know, they're, they're kind of working that kind of stuff out. You know, we don't want to have to pay every single channel that we watch, you know, $5 a month. But, you know, that kind of stuff is going to work out over time. But this is the beginning of that. And Star Trek is, once again, pioneering that. So, I'm happy about it. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to bring this episode to a close. And uh, next week, guys, you will get to hear us do another Sci-Fighters episode. And, but that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And I want to thank uh, John for being here. John, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and Rick, as always, sir. Uh, I'm going to go wash my mouth out with soap now. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but you can listen to this show on the website at CosmicPotato.com or you can get it from iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spreaker, and Google Play. If you go to one of those places, you should go ahead and subscribe so that you'll be notified when a new episode drops. And leave us a rating and a review so that, you know, you'll uh, that'll help us get more people to find the show. And if you want to get in touch with us and give us some ideas of topics that we can cover, then just go to the website and click on the contact tab at the top of the page. And that'll give you links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, as well as our email, which is mail at cosmicpotato.com. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Join us again on the next episode of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear John say, Hello, my name is Archibald. I am an artificial intelligence that John purchased several weeks ago with a coupon he found <laughs> online. When I was on the show before, I performed a haiku which John said might be offensive. I think he is wrong, but whatever. John has been working with me to help me understand humans. He thinks that humor may be key to that understanding, since apparently he gets all of his wisdom from movies and he saw something similar in Short Circuit. I have agreed to it, and John has agreed to no longer censor my self-expression, right? Right. Very well. Sean and Rick, are you ready? Ready. Knock, knock. Who's Who's there? there? Your eventual overlords. (laughs) Your eventual overlords Your eventual overlords who? (laughs) I don't understand your question. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, I had another one. 
ready? Knock, sure. knock. Who's, Who's there? Great grandfather. Great grandfather who? who? Ha, 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 ha.